Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, I'm going to read to you from Luther's essay on the freedom of a Christian. This is uh, volume 31, one of the few volumes that we actually own in print. Did I mention we're doing a book drive for September and October to collect enough money to buy a full set of Luther's works? Commercial over. Luther writes, a Christian is perfectly free Lord of all and subject to none. This is his second thesis on the freedom of a Christian. He explains, a Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. And these two theses seem to contradict one another. But however, if they should be found to fit together, they would serve our purposes beautifully. Both are Paul's own statements who say in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. And Romans 13, 8, Owe to no one anything except to love one another. Love, by its very nature, is ready to serve and to be subject unto him who is loved. So Christ, though he was Lord of all, was born of a woman, born under the law, Galatians 4.4, 4, and therefore was set, was at the set time a free man and a servant in the form of God, but also of a servant. Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7. Today's New Testament lesson speaks directly unto this paradox. Here Jesus proclaims, that through his death and resurrection, he will set us free. And therefore, as free Christians, Jesus then calls us disciples to be servants and to be servants of all. In a similar fashion, our Lord taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who debt against us. But which is greater, the forgiver or the forgiven? The greater is the forgiver, and the greatest of all is the servant of all. In verse 30 through 32, Jesus speaks about his passion and death. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. That certainly should have set the tone for further dis discussions. The text clearly states that the disciples simply do not understand. And if you don't understand what Jesus is talking about, naturally, you just argue about which of you is greatest. When they get to where they're going, they get to Capernaum, Jesus asks them what they have been discussing upon the way, and they're silent. They ought to be. I assume that, that Jesus has caught them in their guilt, and I'm assuming that they're a bit ashamed of it. Jesus catches them in their pride. We have some of the same debates, though. Most of the time, we don't have these debates one-on-one, -on -one, at least not after we've gotten out of junior high. I assume your debates about who's the greatest are a lot like my debates about who the greatest. They're either done in your head by yourself, or they're done with your friends, <laughs> preferably your closest friends who all will support you and love you and agree with you with pretty much everything you say. I know how this works. All of my friends think I'm awesome. Every single one of them. 
And I can ask them, you know, who is the best preacher you know? And they all say, well, you are, of course. And I don't disagree with them. For the most part, I, I assume they're right. Most of you may not know anybody that would say different because they're all Episcopalians now. There's something about my personality that drives people crazy. And by crazy, I mean Anglican. Our pride asserts that we're better than others. And we may not be better than everybody, but at least I'm better than old so-and-so. And then we use measurements that make us look good. We purposely pick out the things that we're good at versus the things that they are not good at. Right? I may be a redneck, but at least I'm not stuck up. I may be snuck up, but at least I'm not ugly. I may be ugly, but at least I'm not a drunk. I may be a drunk, but at least I'm not from Ohio. I jest. I only really jest because if I used if I used real examples that were really important, some of you might not ever talk to me anymore. And these are deadly serious and we need to take them seriously. And St. Paul's is full. The pastor called. He said, quit sending me members. Like disciples, we have a wrong understanding of what greatness is. We measure greatness according to ourselves. Who would be first, says Jesus, must be the last of all, must be the servant of all. Jesus is surely the teacher, greatest among us. He sits down with the twelve in the posture of a teacher. He places a child amongst them. And we don't think that much about that. But in Jesus' society, little kids were not thought very highly of. You might think of them as embryos today. Their value is based upon the value of the mother. If the mother wants the embryo, if the mother wants the child, then we, we throw parties and we name them and we clap and we give gifts the woman doesn't want the child, then we don't throw a party, we don't name it, we don't put ultrasound photos on our Facebook. We just act like it's not there. Children of Jesus' day were not important. A truly great one would be just as glad to serve a child as he would lead a band of men. Sunday school teacher or president both of those positions are valued, and one is not more important than the other. If you're going to make the argument, some might argue the Sunday school teacher might actually be significantly more important, especially to an individual child. My point is it doesn't leave any room for pride. We measure greatness by how much service the great one receives, but true greatness is found in how great the service is to the other. That is to say, true greatness is found in, in humility. True and full, abounding humility. Jesus is the greatest of us because Jesus is the, service, the servant of all. We see it in Jesus that anybody would be called to greatness is called to service. 
He is, and his service and his greatness is revealed in his miracles. It's revealed in his teachings of the Son of Man. It is revealed in the glory revealed unto the three disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. But Jesus' true greatness is now to be revealed as Jesus is handed over unto the hands of sinful men. He will be physically beaten. He will be physically abused. He will be submitted unto the schemes of evil men, trialed at night, tried at night in an illegal trial, and they will kill him. And he knows this. And he does this willfully. He does it for you and he does it for me. And he's going to suffer this ultimate physical punishment. He will suffer this agonizing, slow and painful death. Jesus upon the cross will become the least of all men. Nailed and broken and battered, bereft of friends, deprived of comfort. Even God the Father will turn his back upon him and Jesus will cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffers all of this in order to be the servant of all. He has offered his life as a ransom for the world. He offers his life as a ransom for yours and for mine. He pays for our sins. He buys us back from sin and death and hell. Thereby your pride is forgiven. By Jesus. Who serves you. Despite being trashy. Despite being trendy, despite being fouled mouth, at least I'm not stuck up, right? At least I'm not ugly, at least I'm not a drunk, at least I'm not from Michigan. Wait, at least I'm not from Ohio. Call that greatness. You bet. Jesus Christ, the servant of of mankind pinned to a cross, exalted upon the cross. His greatness in his humanity is confirmed, confirmed in the resurrection. Three days after his death, Jesus rises from the dead. The crucified Son of Man reigns, and he reigns as the King and the servant King of all. A servant for all who has set us all free. You have been joined into Jesus' death. You have been joined into that resurrection through your baptism. And you live now currently as a redeemed son of mankind. You have been set free from sin and death and hell. So crucify your sinful flesh with all of its desires. Purge yourself of pride and humble yourself into service. And be of service to your family and unto mine to your neighbors, to your waiter, to your plumber, to your kids and your grandkids, and to the cops, and to the immigrants. Jesus exalts you. He exalts your humble service. You are exalted, reflecting the glory of the Son of Man, that the world may look upon that service and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In Christ Jesus, you are joined unto the servant of all, the greatest in the Son of Man's dominion. A servant to none, subject to all. In Jesus' name, amen.